Hello, everybody, and a very warm welcome back to the Rethinking Cyber podcast with me, your host, Rebecca McLaughlin-Easton. Today, we are discussing the challenges that international businesses face whilst navigating the fragmented landscape of the cyberspace governance environment. We'll touch upon the prospects for progress, not least how governments can help businesses grow in a trusted, safer cyberspace. To drill down into these issues and much more, I have the perfect guest today. He is Alex Liu, the managing partner and the chairman of the board at Carney. Carney, of course, are a company which since 1926 have been trusted advisors to the world's most foremost organizations, including the majority of the Fortune Global 500, numerous governments and nonprofit organizations. My esteemed guest, Alex, has long been a trusted advisor to CEOs and multinational boards, been recognized as a global top 25 consultant, and he is a very familiar face and voice in the business media. Furthermore, he's also no stranger to a podcast, as he regularly hosts one called Joy at Work. Alex, it's great to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Rebecca. Let's start with the big picture. What is the current state of cybersecurity from global businesses' perspective? Uh, what would you say are the unique cybersecurity speed bumps facing companies today? I think it's pretty clear that there's a heightened sense of awareness, alertness, anxiety around risk generally. If you look at the risk dashboard for CEOs, board members, heads of state, it's never been more full and more daunting. And I think these days cyber has risen to the top three of that list. Um, I, I think there's issues around how we can stay connected in a digital world but also protect, um, collect the right data and keep each other safe. Um, so the pace of technological change has been very crazy. Uh, if you look at the level of intelligence in the networks, the bandwidth, the availability, the addressability of billions of devices out there and the pace continues to accelerate, there's so many risks of encroachment, intrusion, bad actors. And that technology risk has now been elevated beyond the IT department or the tech department, but really at a managerial business level because it affects customers, supply chains, your relationships with the, the trust with your customers, whether they be business or, or private consumers. Um, so the two, the two overwhelming rivers of anxiety have come together recently, Rebecca, which is the technological pace being able to control how digital disruptions can be minimized, but also applied to the benefit of companies and the interdependency globally between countries, companies, and citizens. And all those challenges that you've mentioned, what are the most pressing ones, in your opinion, for global consultancies such as Carney? Well, I mean, we're an enterprise ourselves. I mean, we're a global company. Uh, we're doing fast-paced things like every other company in the world. So number one, is protecting our client confidentiality and the data that's related to performing the work we do for our client. We're a trusted advisor, and we do make sure we need to make sure that we entrust uh, and earn that trust in the way we handle client confidential matters. That's the first concern that I have as a leader of a consultancy. The second is for our clients, we want to make sure that they are confident and capable to address the application of technology to their issues. Uh, while avoiding 
the negative disruptions of cyber intrusion, bad actors, and some of the cybersecurity breaches that we are all aware of. So for example, I mean, these days there's a great movement towards making sure that our global supply chains, right, wherever they may be, are safe and secure. And there's so many places that can be uh, attacked by bad actors. And at the same time, you can't be paralyzed and working, worrying about crises and incident management and compliance and protecting data. You also have to apply technology to make sure that your future supply chains are resilient and are able to repel attacks. So you have to sort of live with the threats of technology, but also apply the benefits for the future. That's a tough challenge. Helping clients do that is very difficult. Taking a step back for a second, what would you identify as uh, the key trends in the global operating environment that are really driving these changing cybersecurity challenges that businesses are facing increasingly? I think there are a few that I would point to. Number one, uh, you know, it's an inconsistent cybersecurity environment out there. It only takes one asymmetric actor to create all types of systemic problems. So if you think about all the millions of customers you have, the thousands of suppliers you have, think about all the countries that companies and countries operate for that matter, one intrusion can actually disturb the whole system. And we've seen all kinds of examples of, of that, whether it's ransomware, whether it's just unwanted um, access to databases, healthcare, private, national security type of issues. So one is inconsistent defense and understanding of the cybersecurity threat anywhere in the world. The second is, I think, the sheer pace of technology evolution. Um, you know, these days we're talking about metaverse and deep fakes. Uh, imagine a world where that is now more of a prevalent technology, which allows bad actors to exploit. Now, we're, not, we're always going to be in a constant state of catch-up because of the pace of technology innovation, because of the billions of devices that out there that are not properly secured. But that's a, a second trend to worry about, which is the continuing pace of innovation and technology. You can't, can't fight that. You gotta worry about the negative outcomes. Uh, in addition, there is a multi-jurisdictional view of some of the issues related to digital evolution. Data sovereignty, who owns the data? Uh, what is the definition of privacy? Is it something that a company owns, an individual owns, or a country can access? So who owns and determines the nature of digital sovereignty and data itself, where it's stored, where it's collected, how it's accessed, who accesses it. Those are some trends that need to be uh, dealt with. And it leads to the question, who decides these questions? Um, who decides where the boundaries are in terms of privacy and who owns data and how far your systems digitally can be applied within a country, within a company or across borders. And as we know, there are many cross-border companies Many of those in the West Coast here where I'm sitting right now, these are sort of hyperscalers, tech companies in California or the West Coast or in East Asia. And, and they have an inordinate control over uh, how data and digital technology is evolving. So those are some key trends in this regard. Expanding upon that, uh, what are the new or interesting trends uh, in the global operating environment, which are really driving and evolving the cybersecurity issues that businesses are facing? It's acceleration of these trends that I mentioned, the technology evolution and innovation. I mean, in the last five or 10 years, the number of devices that are connected to the internet with storage capability, with data communications capability, with intelligence 
has grown, I don't know, five, 10, 20 fold, you pick the number. And I don't see that reducing going forward. So the, the sheer complexity of the data revolution, continuing revolution is a trend that has to be reckoned with. How do you control all the access points to make sure that, that any access is wanted and um, approved of? And the second piece is the global complexity where companies and countries operate in. We all work in multiple countries. And in the last 30 years, the level of global interdependency, whether it's financial markets, supply markets, labor markets, currency, crypto this, crypto that, uh, the level of interdependency is going to continue to accelerate. So managing those two trends, using data and digital for the good and managing the complexity uh, that will continue onwards. And another wrinkle, of course, Rebecca, is that a lot of the globalization trends that we benefited from the last 30 years are now being unwound. So you now have nationalist agendas also determining how trade flows, information flows, how rules are applied, what legislation, what type of penalties, what type of laws make sense. Alex, where would you say the opportunities for progress really lie in governance, policy, regulation terms? And how can governments help businesses grow in a trusted digital environment? Simplified, what can they do that they're not currently doing to improve the, the global cyber landscape? I mean, it's a tough task because you're managing multiple stakeholders, but I believe governments have a very important role in achieving a better world. Uh, number one is knowledge sharing. Um, I know that the Kingdom of South Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia also was very instrumental in the last G20 hosting with the Digital Economy Task Force to actually put cyber on the agenda. So actually having explicit forums, discussions, global lessons, practices shared, that's a key piece of how governments can help, sort of having the convening power uh, that should be applied. The second is, you know, there are countries, there are treaties, there are alliances. There's a great deal of existing regulations that need to be harmonized to reduce the cost of compliance, to improve the quality of digital protection, uh, to be able to learn how to apply digital even more uh, earnestly and properly. Examples like DORA, uh, examples like the EU's approach to the financial sector. These multiple regulations do need to be harmonized, so governments can have a role in that. At a more governance level, I think govern governments need to be able to also define what is success for companies, for citizens, uh, protecting investors, protecting data. Um, how important is that on the national agenda? What will the government do? So I think governments have a role to have a voice in making that very clear. And of course, they are useful, uh, important to fund specific problem-solving efforts, whether it's national defense or the healthcare grid, use cases in combination with the private sector to solve problems, to protect data, to protect citizens, to protect uh, companies. If we understand that collaboration in this sphere is key, outline for me what exactly the tie-ups would look like between the public and the private sector. I think the need for more forums, such as the cybersecurity forum that is happening shortly, uh, where you have people that are at interest, that have priorities at stake, coming together and talking about best practices, sharing lessons, talking about the future, talking about the role of technology. Again, minimizing the negative aspects, finding ways to you know, exploit the benefits of better technology. 
The second is, I think, a range of legislation, regulation that helps affect each aspect of the digital evolution of the world, whether that's payment systems, how do you deal with new fintech operators, how do you protect supply chains which span multiple jurisdictions and borders, how do you negotiate contracts, are there penalties for people that commit crimes in the cyberspace, how do you protect and allow and define data, where do you store it, as I said, who accesses it, these are some legislations and regulations that would be helpful to clarify the operating framework for companies, countries for that matter. Alex, take me inside those private closed door VIP meetings with your clients. What are they telling you are the most pressing cybersecurity challenges facing them? And in the future, which ones do they fear the most? I think they're worried about whether they should be playing catch up, i.e. defense or offense. Um, which is to anticipate and prevent problems and actually, again, apply technology for the good, especially the digital technologies that are increasingly available. So I think what's on their mind, number one, is a digital cyber readiness approach that involves scenarios, that involves capital spending, that involves having the right skills and capabilities. That means having the right engagement approach with policymakers, with regulators, with government, with governments around the world, with transnational uh, and even competitors. Um, so they're worried about having a general cyber readiness plan that encompasses security, but also looks broader at you know, how to deploy even better technology uh, without the risks that we've talked about. The second uh, concern that clients have, I think, is also just having a voice uh, to be able to speak at forums to be able to communicate with the regulators, to again, be a part of a convention or a forum to be able to share and share lessons and best practices and reinforce the best practices. Um, again, this is a win-win if people together have a common interest to protect the broader world and the people and companies for which they are responsible. Carney's founder, Andrew Thomas Carney, better known as Tom, famously said that our success as consultants will depend on the essential rightness of the advice that we give and our capacity for convincing those in authority that it is good. So in today's world, how does that ring true? What is the most potent advice that you are giving to those in power and how is it being received? It's pretty clear to me that no one has the answer, the single answer the right approach. But each actor could create a problem unknowingly. So my best advice to all sides of the table, uh, private and public sector, is to be open-minded and willing to learn and adapt. We have not yet learned the full potential of technology. We have not yet defined the full range of possibilities that working with each other across borders in an international world can bring. So being curious and not judgmental, so to speak, and being open-minded, I think is the best recipe for all sides to get to a better outcome. Finally, Alex, at the start of our conversation, I mentioned how you, in fact, host your own podcast called Joy at Work, the premise of which is that innovation drives joy and joy drives innovation, it being a virtuous cycle. In a nutshell, therefore, and in light of our conversation today, uh, will governments, businesses and societies forever be playing digital catch up 
or will institutions and innovation eventually keep pace in terms of cyber advancements, in turn building a better world? Well, I mean, all humans, all enterprises, governments have to adapt. I mean, that's our beauty as a human race. So I'm pretty optimistic. You know, I do believe in joy. We shouldn't settle for anything less. Um, and I think the glass is half full. I mean, we'll get through a rough period here. I mean, we were surprised. We were playing catch up on this topic in so many places, so many ways, so many surprises. Um, but I think we're now getting to the point where companies and governments are working together to try to get ahead of the curve and be proactive, be preventative, be anticipatory, and be forward-looking. So uh, hopefully we can take that joyful spirit to solving this particular problem too. I think we will. Alex, sadly, we have to leave our conversation there, but thank you so much for joining me from California today. Thank you, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure. So my thanks again to Alex for joining me on this episode of the Rethinking Cyber podcast. And thank you also to all of our viewers and listeners right around the world. To find more episodes and interviews of this kind, all you need to do is head to Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you normally access your podcasts from. Until then, take care and goodbye.